0: So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. And today we are here with Judy Kettler. She is a journalist and actually spirit brought us together. I was scrolling through my Apple news feed, saw a beautiful, beautiful uh, story that she had written and tracked her down on Instagram because I know that you're just going to love this story.
1: Judy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell everybody a little bit more about what you do. Sure. So I am a freelance writer, which is what I've done for almost, well, more than 20 years, almost 20 years, Full time. And I have written for a lot of magazines, lots of outlets, lots of websites. I also do a fair amount of helping companies. Like I do content strategy for hospitals, a lot of children's hospitals. That's kind of what I've been doing lately. I write speeches. I've done scripting for live corporate events, just kind of any kind of writing you can do. I've probably done it. And I also have a book about honesty that published last year. And the paperback is actually just getting ready to come out. And it's, um, called would I lie to you the amazing power of being honest in a world that lies and it's all about you know kind of the pursuit of a more honest life and what the benefits of that are
0: Well, let's talk about that for a second, because that's really fascinating, especially right here and right now where we are. Talk to us a little bit more about that concept and what the benefits are of honesty. You know, I grew up going to Catholic church, and then when my parents divorced to a big mega Christian church. And what I have found, though, with working with energy is that Anytime you go to exaggerate or like sometimes it just comes out wrong, right? And you're like, nope, that's not it. Or if it's even a forethought beforehand, there's a very significant energy difference. And what I have found is that it stays with you until you correct it. And if you don't correct it, that energy that that negative
1: kind of cloud-like heavy-weighted energy is with you. Yeah, it's it's a misalignment, definitely. And so that's really why I, I wrote the book because I've always had this relationship with honesty where I was frustrated with others' dishonesty and hypocrisy. So I grew up Catholic too, which is no shortage of hypocrisy. And so I would be so frustrated with that. But at the same time, I knew that I wasn't as honest as I should be. Like I would make up little lies, like saying I had a boyfriend when I didn't or saying exaggerating or whatever, just to kind of smooth out situations or deal with anxiety. And so I would feel such intense guilt about that. And so it was this this tug of war between those things that kind of just in every stage of my life manifested In some different way, like in college, I became a feminist and I had an eating disorder. <laughs> it was like these kind of two different things. And then, you know, I had kids. And so it the, this tug of war just kind of kept reinventing itself with every stage of life. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to really explore this topic of honesty, understand it better. And that's really what the book is about. It was also kind of born out of the frustration of feeling like the world is really dishonest. And this was even kind of before the explosion of disinformation, which is obviously with us now. This was even before I had a, a lot of awareness about that. I, so I just decided I was going to explore my own relationship with honesty. And, and instead of calling out everyone else's dishonesty, I was going to start with me. And that's really what the book is about my own, like, how do you tackle your own relationship with honesty? Yes, the world is very dishonest and we need to call it out. Absolutely. But before you do that, start Get right within yourself because you won't ever really be able to kind of, if if you don't get a hold on your own relationship with honesty, it's very hard to make change, even to fight for like these social justice causes, which I care so much about. If you don't like check your own privileges first, forget it. You're not really going to be able to make any change. For sure.
0: For sure. I've struggled with that a lot, too, in starting the podcast and really looking at different spiritual teachers that I have followed throughout the years. And what I found is even in following other people, there are some people who I'll be like, 99.9% 99.9% of everything that comes out of their mouth is like, I align with 100%, right? But nobody to the, the point of 100%, right? So that on, that I find that a lot with that same thing that you're saying about honesty, when I look at my own expectations, when I was younger, I used to expect other people to be perfect, right? And then I held myself to the same standard. And if I wasn't perfect, then I thought that something was wrong with me, not really fully understanding that perfection wasn't the right <laughs> indicator, the right model or the right, you know, just a thing to judge and base things on. And really coming to the conclusion over the last couple of years that nobody's perfect, but you're totally right. We have to look at that within ourselves first and
1: see what we can do within, within ourselves. Yeah, because it's really empowering. I think that's one of the key reasons I wanted to write the book is that I was tired of feeling like a victim of a dishonest world, you know? And so in doing all of this work, I feel much less, much less misaligned that kind of that energy that you talked about but also less like a, a victim less like oh everything is terrible the world is terrible everyone's dishonest you know less like that i mean i i recognize the grave consequences of dishonesty but instead of like just stopping with that then i say well let me look at my own choices what can i do differently in this situation what can i do you know, what am I saying? Instead of just constantly judging others, how am I approaching it? And, it? and it helps. And I think it's really the basis for trying to create a more honest society, you know, a society where we can agree on some basic truths. I think it has to start with each one of us really looking at that relationship with honesty.
0: I think it's bigger than that. I think that's the healing that needs to happen right now within the world. I think that's where all the healing has to start is just everyone on an
1: individual level looking at themselves. Absolutely. And then not stopping and then say, I'm going to look at myself and now I'm going to go out in the world and do this very important work. But if you don't like first take that step of looking at yourself, it's, it's kind of hollow. Sure. That's what I found.
0: Okay, so this kind of ties into your story a bit. Okay, so tell everybody the story about your your run-in with this nun.
1: So every October, I live in Cincinnati, which is a very, I live in a suburb of Cincinnati. It's a very, very Catholic town, and every October, the church, the Catholic church near me, puts up these white crosses that represent all, I guess they represent all the abortions in the U.S. There's a sign that kind of describes what they are, but I don't I don't even want to like stop and look at them. So I can't tell you exactly, but I think that's what it is. They're representing all the abortions in the U.S. And it bothers me every year, but I'm like, you know what? It's fine. They're, it's their private property. They're allowed to put up crosses. I don't like it, but I don't go to the church. I don't like whatever. They can do what they want to do. But it still makes me very angry every year, and it's and I I run by it, so it's on my main. It's like the main drag of our town, so it's the main route that I run all of the time. And I'm very much a creature of habit, that I like run the same way all the time. <laughs> so this, well, actually, last year, 2020, when the crosses went up, I was even more irate than normal because. You know, we're in the middle of this pandemic, where at the time, 220,000, I want to say, people had died. You know, we were just coming off a summer of racial unrest, where, you know, numerous Black people had been lynched, basically— By police, you know, still kind of dealing with the fallout from the separation of children and their parents at the border. I mean, all of these just human rights atrocities. And the fact that this Catholic church was deciding to focus on that it just sent me off the edge. And so one day on my run, I, and I kept thinking, if I see somebody, I'm going to say something. I was really hoping to like bump into a priest, um, <laughs> but it happened to be a nun. So I'm running by and this nun is crossing the street and I just like lost it. And I basically just accosted her. And I said, sister, I want to talk to you about these crosses. And so she stopped and, you know, looked at me and I just let loose on her. You know, I just said, I don't understand how this, how can you possibly put at these crosses? Like, what about the 220,000 people who have died from coronavirus? What about the black people basically lynched by police? What about the children separated from their parents and the children who have died in detention at the border? What about all of the children who were molested by priests from this, but not this church necessarily, but from this institution that the Catholic church never atoned for. Like, what about that? And I'm just going off on her and she is taking it all. And she did something I didn't expect. She apologized. She said something like, you know, I'm I'm so sorry, that the church has caused you know, you pain, your family pain. I'm so sorry. We got into a little bit of a debate about abortion, but I wasn't really trying to have an argument about abortion. It was really just the fact that they were choosing to make this statement when there was so much loss of life right now. And also the fact that I just feel like the Catholic church never atoned for the horrible things that they did and you know she said well actually i'm a teacher at the school i don't i didn't put the crosses up you know like i could at that point i really was like okay this woman actually has nothing to to do with this right like she really is just kind of here it's convenient that she's a nun and she's walking by and she's associated with this but she's really not the person i need to be yelling at and so i settled down and I said, you know, thank you. Or I said, like, just please pass, pass my message on to somebody. And I ran home and I felt horrible. I mean, I felt my rage. I felt completely justified in that. But I felt bad that I had just like let loose on someone who really... She wasn't the one who made the decision to put up those crosses, right? But I, you know, I didn't, again, I kind of had these conflicting feelings. I didn't feel bad that I was angry or that I knew people were probably looking at me, like, who's that woman screaming? Like, what's the matter with her? So I didn't feel so bad about that. I just felt bad that I had kind of directed it at the wrong person. I really hadn't shown discernment, right? So I kind of thought about it all week and I avoided the church. I took other routes. Finally, when it was time for, I always do a really long run on Sunday. And um, so I had to design this route, like really circuitous to avoid the church, which is not easy to do because it's the main drag of town, right? And so it's <laughs> this thing where I was like going all the way around and, and I'm running and um, <laughs> I'm like maybe a half a mile from the church, like this way that I never run. And I see the nun walking toward me. All of a sudden, I've never seen this nun before in my life. Like before that day, before that Tuesday, (laughs) I had never seen this nun before, ever. And I'm running this route that I'd never run. And I see her walking toward me, and I'm like, Oh my god! I like, what am I gonna do? Because I was like terrified of bumping into her all week, right? (laughs) And I see her walking toward me, and so I panic and then I'm like, no, obviously I'm going to stop and I'm going to apologize. And so that's what I did. I said, you know, sister. And she stopped. Like now she was like, oh, oh what's going to happen? And, um, I said, you know, I just I want to apologize to you. I took it out on you. I'm not sorry for my rage, but I am sorry that I took it out on you because it's not it's not your fault. We're not going to agree about abortion, but that's not really why I was upset. And she again apologized, you know, I'm sorry the church has caused you and your family pain and you know, I said, I don't believe, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I don't believe in the same things that you believe anymore, but you know, I ran this route to try to avoid bumping into you. And she's like, well, I wasn't even going to walk today because I was afraid (laughs) of bumping into you. So I went this other way that I don't usually go. And I said, you know, this is like, this for me is what you would call God. Like that's what this experience is for me. This is like a a religious experience. And she said, amen. And so as I, you know, ran away Back home, I was certain that it was my dad who who my dad died in 2013. And he, I feel like he's always doing little things like this for me. Like, if I can't figure something out, like, where does this plug in or why is this not working? Or I'll say, like, dad, can you help me with this? And I feel like he always does, right? Like, I can't ask him, like, dad, can you make my book a bestseller? Like, it isn't like those kinds of things. (laughs) I can ask him. It's like these little things that I feel like he just does for me. And I was certain that he somehow arranged this meeting. I just was certain of it. So it was, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a great experience because it, you know, it got me number one in touch with my rage, which I think it's okay to have rage about these things. Because there are things going on that we need to be angry about and we need to speak up and it isn't, we don't always have to be nice when the situation is not a nice one. At the same time, we need discernment about how, how we're going to do that. And I think that's kind of what this, the whole situation taught me. Like, yes, rage, you need your rage. You need your anger. We have to speak up, but just screaming willy-nilly at anyone who seems to be involved in something like that doesn't really get anybody anywhere so that is the story of me and the nun and i haven't seen that nun since by the way like which just goes to show that that's god you know that spirit totally your dad interacting
0: you know putting this all together I've got a few announcements. This month's winner of the drawing is Mackenzie Payne, who gets one free session with me. Email me a screenshot of your five-star positive review on Apple Podcasts, Google Business, or my Facebook page for your chance to win next month. Details are in the show notes. Friends, in the Angel membership in June 2021, Archangel Raphael and I are teaching you Self-Energy Healing 101 and Chakras 101. You'll learn how to give yourself an energy healing session, techniques to keep your energy clear, and how you can heal your own energy field. To join this course live or replay at any time, sign up for the Angel Membership Program today. Also, a new class of the Angel Reiki School begins on June 1st. Join this separate program to develop your unique spiritual gifts and become an angel Reiki master. I'm still offering private readings. To book one, sign up for our weekly angel email. Once a month, you'll get an email that contains a link to book your session online. One more thing. I am loving spending time with you live and answering your questions over on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow me on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new video content. Thanks for your support and for sharing this podcast with your people. You know, you've looked at this as a journalist, as a writer, and I'm wondering the way that I see energy is that there are certain words that hold energy, there are actions that hold energy, and there you have all different types of energy. You have stagnant energy that's not going anywhere. You have energy that's going backwards, you have energy that's moving forwards and propelling forwards. I think that we have this conception of anger sometimes and rage as being 100% bad and categorizing it very black and white into these boxes. But anger and sometimes rage is this energy of momentum, of force, of pushing things forward. Would women have had the right to vote, would we be here where we are now without the anger and rage that our ancestors had in the past? What do you see anger as and rage as and and how can we kind of reframe
1: it for ourselves? Yeah, I think it's it can wake you up. So that's kind of how I feel. You know, I I've always been really committed to like finding common ground right to like we'll agree to disagree we'll you know i we share enough values that we can find a way forward and i still believe those things but i think now uh, some things we're not going to agree to disagree on because you're wrong <laughs> like you are like we don't agree to disagree about the holocaust like the holocaust is bad every single way, like there's no agreement to disagree, right? We have these things that are like, especially around human rights issues and justice issues, they're very clearly are like, there's this side, it's not even a side, it's bad, it's whatever. And then there is kind of fighting for the, the, the better thing. I'm not articulating that perfectly. But, and so I think that I, I'm, I'm more in touch now with like, being angry, like not always, like finding a common ground doesn't always need to be the first thing. It would be great if we could get there. But there's another step in there that you can't just smooth over everything and say, well, it's kind of these conversations that we're having now about how do we unify as a country, which we do, but you can't just say, well, we're unified, <laughs> because we're not. And there are some real reasons why, and discussions that need to happen, and and atonement, and and if you don't do that, and anger is part of that, like letting people, making sure people have a voice in things, and and hearing them, listening to them, hearing them, if we don't do that, we're not going to get anywhere, and so I think that I'm much more comfortable now with expressing anger and and rage and, and speaking up about things versus trying to be the peacemaker. You know, I'm the youngest of seven kids. So I think peacemaker was kind of my natural role. And it's not a bad role. Like we need peacemakers, but we also need to speak up, speak out be angry about injustice and not try to smooth it over. So it's just, for me, it's just this wake up. It's this process of kind of waking, waking up and speaking out. That's part of honesty too. It's not just about avoiding dishonesty. It's about speaking the truth and speaking up, which is something I'm more in touch with now, even than when I wrote the book, because the book is much more about like, let me pay attention to my own honesty. But the step after that is let me speak up and speak out clearly about these things and sometimes that means with anger well both of
0: those things the you know speaking your truth and with honesty is, is sometimes very hard to do because it's very uncomfortable at times. And, you know, that age, anger and that rage can be very, very uncomfortable at times. You know, as we're speaking here and I'm kind of thinking through with you what's coming to me, it's almost like we need a new vocabulary word for anger and rage because I did see my teacher that I follow on Instagram Weez Duran, she put up something saying, watch your rage because the rage can be part of patriarchy, can be part of like the bigger system. And, and how that works. And, you know, you and I are two white women talking about this. And and I have been learning so much from black women this year. And I think we have to must continue to do that and pay them for their work. So I'm wondering, though, if there's a new word, right, where it's not rage, it's not anger. It's like, it's like activist motion forward, taking action on change within the world and feeling very passionately about that.
1: What is the word for that? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's a great point because we have these negative associations. And unfortunately, I mean, this is kind of the other part of that, you know, a, a point that you just made is that it's, It's very easy to cast black women as like the angry black woman, right? Or while the white women kind of like demure. And and so that dynamic has got to go away for sure. And maybe part of that is a new new word, a new understanding of the words we have or a new word altogether. I don't know. I'm not sure Um, because these are issues I haven't, it's kind of like when I first started thinking about honesty, you just suddenly you're confronted with all of the vocabulary around it and you realize that it's so like it's so much and so like it's woefully incomplete but yet there's so many words around it that you have to tease out and I think it's the same thing with kind of this anger and the rage it's like looking at the definitions what we mean by all of these different words that we use what's the nuance of it what what's good about that what's bad about that it's It's a newer thing for me to really try to tease this out. So I don't have the answer, but I like thinking about it. I mean, I like thinking about the question. That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: You know, when you were talking about your dad too, I really feel like that's one of the reasons that they kind of connected us together. There's something that he wants you to look into a little bit more. And it's actually the reason that I started the podcast. My dad passed away in 2015 and I started hearing from him. He was on his third wife at the time. She didn't call and let us know, took the second wife of his a month to track us down because our names had changed. Changed. and all this month you know I kept hearing every time I brushed my daughter's hair this thought repeat over and over inside myself that said she needs a hairbrush like I used she needs a hairbrush like I used." and I was like Well, damn, I cannot tell my mom this. I cannot tell my husband this. I do not want to be locked up for, you know, saying that I'm hearing voices. And I was at work about a month later and was in a meeting at the time, got the phone call. My sister called a couple of times, knew something was wrong. So I took the call, found out that he had passed, and like in the shell shop state, looked at my coworker and said, my dad's been talking to me. And she's like, well, you have to figure, you have to figure out how this is happening. And, you know, as you were talking, your dad said, I've always been saying, like coming through to you the same way. I was under the perception that mediums and psychics and all these people heard from the other side. Like if my dad was to come through to Teresa Caputo, that she would hear it like his voice. And it's not like that. It comes through your intuition. It comes through that silent, stop not silent, um, like soft voice within you. And you have to learn, you have to train
1: yourself to just listen more and more to it. Yeah. And it really is, you're so right. It's like it comes, for me, it's just the, this moment of, like a great example, the, the, we had a big storm last spring, um, the power went out. So we were already in the middle of this pandemic. The kids were trying to do school at home or, oh, I don't know. The power was out. And, you know, I was just laying in bed that morning and I was like, what, what are we going to do? Like, all we have all this food in the fridge. We have, what are the kids going to do? Like, I was just in this kind of spiral, like looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, it wasn't even a big deal. But you know, at the time you're like, oh, what am I going to do? And suddenly I just was like, got this calm. And I was like, get out of bed, go, go to Kroger, buy some ice, put it in the cooler, put the put the food from the fridge in the cooler. And it was just like this, because the reason I, so I had been laying there saying like, like, dad, can you like, can you make the power turn back on? Like, what, what are the extents of your, <laughs> what can you actually do? Like I was kind of, you know, just kind of being funny. And then I suddenly got this like, answer, like go buy ice and put it in the cooler. I mean, it's such a silly thing, but it's like that moment where you just kind of, you you put it out there and then you get this answer and it's quiet. And it, you know, that, that's how it, that's how it is for me. And I, I kind of do the same thing. I have a brother who passed away in 2009 and we weren't, He was, I actually write about him in the book. He was a very difficult person, right? We didn't have some kind of like close, amazing relationship, right? He, I think he actually had oppositional defiant disorder, just was never diagnosed. He lived a difficult life. He was not an easy person. And so after he died, it's kind of been a lot of this, like trying to figure out what is the relationship? Because I realized that just because someone dies doesn't mean the relationship is over. And so it's been this process of trying to understand him And sometimes I will feel like I hear his voice too in things, you know, but it's quiet. And and it's when you kind of just take that moment and you like open yourself to it. And then it's like, it drops in or something. And it's usually not of great consequence. Again, it's not like, can you solve coronavirus? Dad, can you do it like that? You know, it's it's like these little things that help you on your day or help you learn something or see something, or I don't know, it's small, but not inconsequential. For sure. You know, I was just having this
0: conversation with my students that I teach how to do this work through my angel Reiki school. And one of them was saying, Julia, I was so disappointed in the session that I had with somebody the other day, because the mother just kept coming through saying to her daughter, I'm so sorry, I love you so much. And she said, I didn't bring through the message because I thought that it was just so little and, you know, insignificant and, and I felt like I was making it up. And I said, yeah, but if that daughter, that client of yours had hard feelings or resentment in her heart that needed to be healed, and that was the one thing that she needed to hear from her mom, you know, we can't, we can't say you know, what's big and what's small, they know more from the other side. This is interesting, because we have never talked about this before in the podcast. But do you have a way that you differentiate between when it's your brother and when it's your dad, like kind of getting in touch with you?
1: Yeah, because it's usually like I'm thinking about, one. And it's usually like, especially with my brother, I actually wrote a piece for the New York Times about like how I feel like a lot of my relationship with my brother, I've worked out during runs. Right. And so like, I'll be thinking about him, um, like after he died, kind of, you know, I had like all the stages, right? Like, I don't remember what the stages are, but I feel like I went through all of them. I mean, one of them was just anger. Like you were a dick. Like you, you know, you weren't even around, you kind of estranged yourself and then you just die. Like what? I mean, so there was kind of this anger. There was, then there was like uh guilt that I didn't try harder to have, you know, to connect with them. So lots of different kind of emotions that I was working through. And so I think it's, for me, it's more like I'm focused on if it's something to do with my brother, it's because I'm like actively thinking like about him for some reason and then maybe some little answer his voice drops in my head versus like if it's my dad it's more of a like where i'm literally like dad <laughs> can you can you like help me with this thing i mean it is sometimes it's like me saying it out loud sometimes but but also the thing with the nun it wasn't like i specifically was asking for anything it just kind of happened and i just felt like that was him. Even though, you know, my dad, it's funny, he was a scientist, right? He was a pharmacologist. He worked in a lab. He was a person of science. Like he was not, I mean, I don't know, maybe he was very spiritual and I don't know it, but he was kind of, he was, you know, from kind of that silent generation. He was stoic. I never saw him cry. Like he was not woo-woo in any way at all right like he was very much a person of science which is really why I think this is like for me makes it all the more something just that I I don't know it's just it's kind of this interesting juxtaposition that he was such a person of science and would be the last person in the world to like be into these things (laughs) that I'm into but yet I feel certain that it's like these things are coming from him I don't
0: know You know, you know how he's explaining it? You know, like if you're, you have two children. I do. Yep. Okay. One of them grows up, goes to China for work, you know, in the for future and does some work over in Asia. Right. And there's nothing that you wouldn't do to connect with them still. Right. And see them. And it doesn't matter what we believed in this lifetime, because all of that is in relation to the egoic mind and that filter that we have in this lifetime. But when we get to the other side, there really isn't anything but love peace, joy, bliss, ease, grace. And we see things from that different perspective and and not through the lens of the ego anymore. You know, talk to me too, though. That's so fascinating. So how did you work out your relationship with your brother while he's on the other side and you're running here on earth?
1: Well, so the first thing that happened with my brother was when my dad was still alive and he, my dad had dementia, right. And he had been suffering with it for a long time. And it was, it was getting like noticeably worse. This was in the spring of 2013. And we were trying, you know, they they were, my mom is still alive. She's 85. She's in great health. She still lives in the house where we grew up. But at the time they were, they were both living there. She was taking care of him. And it was just really, it was getting more, and more difficult for her. And, and we knew that we needed to either get some help for her or, you know, it didn't seem like it was quite time for a nursing home yet, but so I was like looking at all different avenues. And so I drove over to the veterans administration here in Cincinnati because my dad was a veteran. I was like, well, maybe there's some service. I don't know, maybe there's something there. And there really wasn't because he wasn't an active duty. I mean, he was drafted um, during the Korean War, but he didn't fight. He was sent to Germany. And so there really wasn't anything much there. And so as I was driving back, and, and the VA is just a hard place to be, right? It's just a difficult it's a difficult place to be. It's a sad place to be. Right. At least the day I was there, I just, cause it's also like a hospital and it's a healthcare system. And it just was, it kind of put me in this just emotional state, like seeing a lot of these older veterans who were not in great health. And I was driving home and I suddenly just was irate. And I was irate at my brother. I was just, so mad at him. I was like, you, you know, here we are. We're trying to figure out how to help dad and you're you're gone and you never did anything when you were alive. You never did anything for them. All you ever did was borrow money and like I was just going off on him. I was like, can you just do something? Something. And like 2 days later, my dad got pneumonia, which turned out to be like the thing that kind of needed to happen for something to change because he wound up going in the hospital and from the hospital, he went into like a rehab facility and then he wound up staying in the nursing home, which is not great at all. But also my mom, like it was going to kill her. Like she just could not right. Keep taking care of him. And she wasn't going to like make the change herself unless something happened that like forced the change. And so I was like, well, that's, interesting. (laughs) Okay. Like I, I didn't really know what to make of that. And then a few months later, so my dad deteriorated pretty quickly in the nursing home. He was miserable. You know, he was very confused. It just, it was, it was awful. He, he was in hospice and we were all pretty aligned in my family. Like, you know, we took him off any life extending medications. We didn't want him to suffer. Right. I mean, we were, we were all very aligned on it and he had like pneumonia, some kind of. And this is what often happens to people when they're at that stage; they get some kind of infection, and they can't communicate it, so the staff doesn't know it. And you know, and by the time they understand that something's wrong, the person's kind of already in like sepsis and dying. And it kind of is the blessing for people who are at that stage. I mean, it, it really, it really is when they're just their quality of life is is gone. And so he was dying. I mean, it was kind of this week where he was, we knew he was dying. You know, the hospice nurse was with us and we were kind of looking for all the different signs. And I was driving to the hospital. It was like the third or fourth day. And I was like, dry, I was like driving down I-71 South. And again, I was just like I rate kind of, it wasn't irate as much as I was just like, I was crying. I was really upset. I was like, we just like, we've tried everything to, you know, we opened the window for his soul to escape. Like we did all the things that when a person is dying, you know, you do, you talk to them, you, cause he wasn't conscious at this point, you know, you tell them how much they meant to you, like all these things that you do. Right. And it just was like, he was holding on and I was just crying. And I was like, Paul, it's my brother. I was like, Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the only one who can who can do it. Like can can you help us? Can you help us? And I suddenly just felt very calm. I stopped crying. And by the time I got there, he had passed. And so it was just this like it was much it much more intense than kind of the little things that I feel like I had with my dad. But Paul was a much more intense person, so that makes sense. So I really feel like it was him. And the thing is, when I told, you know, when I told my brothers and sisters this, like <laughs> they thought it was hilarious. I mean, like we have this whole story about how we, we planned the 70th surprise party for my dad and my brother Paul didn't want anything to do with it. Like he did nothing. He did none of the planning, none of the whatever. And so, but when my dad walked in and we all yelled surprise, Paul was like the first one to like walk up to him and give him a beer and give him a hug. And we were all just like so irritated with him. Right. And so when I told him, told my brothers and sisters what had happened, they were like my one brother, Herb, he's like, well, that's typical of Paul. Here we are. We're, we're doing all the week the, all the work all week. And then Paul just bam, he just like, you know, he takes all the credit. And so we all just started laughing. I mean, that's just kind of the family I have, but it was just, it wound up being this really great moment. You know, so that's, I feel like usually when I'm trying to communicate with Paul, it's some kind of like, I'm mad about something or I'm trying to understand something or I'm like, it's different. It's very different than the relationship I have with my dad. That's a long winded story and explanation, but (laughs)
0: That's so, no, that's so
1: fascinating. You can feel
0: their energy. Their energy is just mm-hmm. completely
1: different. Yeah, oh, totally, totally different. And that, you know, they that's they're totally different people. Their personalities could not be more different. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's how I have it, too. When my dad's coming through versus my grandma on the other side, I can totally feel like which one it is because I feel their presence right next to me. And it feels mm. as if they were right here, you know, as if. My mom were right here. Her energy is completely different from the two of them. It would feel like her energy. Judy, you are so amazing. You're such a beautiful soul in this world doing such great work. Tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram to follow all of the beautiful writing that you have, where they can buy your book.
1: Sure. So if you go to my website, which is just my name, Judy Kettler, and you so see there's links there that you can buy the book. You can buy it like through IndieBound. So if you want to buy it at a local bookstore, if you want to buy it from Amazon, however you want to buy it, there are links that'll connect you. I, I think that I'm also giving away the first chapter. I think I sent that to you. If you want to offer that to your listeners. Oh yeah. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So I've got, uh, that's a PDF. So if you want to just like read, the, I think it's the introduction in the first chapter. If you want to just kind of read and see if it's the kind of the right book for you. So yeah, I'm my website will kind of get you every, has links to me on social media. So that's, that's the place to go.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll do this. If people email us and sign up for the weekly newsletter, then we will um, send them that book copy. Yeah, perfect. That sounds great. Awesome. They can email juliejancis at gmail.com. We'll put Judy's information, my information all in the show notes below. Judy, well like open invitation anytime you want to come on. This has just been a blast. Oh well, yeah, it's
1: it has been fun. I don't talk about this a lot. I've written several pieces about this, but I don't get a chance to talk about it a lot. So it's yeah, I like it. It's cool. Yay!
0: <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Okay, thank you. you Bye. Bye-bye. Beautiful souls, I'm so excited to announce that my book on angels and how they're working miracles in your life will be available on Amazon fall of 2021. If you're listening on or after fall of 2021, check it out. Friends, if you'd like to work with me each week, my angel membership program is perfect for you. You can join at any time and you get access to past courses. In 2021, I'll be teaching you about a new topic each month. We started the year in February with a course on oneness and raising your vibration. March is angel communication, how to hear your angels. April is trusting your intuition. May is knowing your soul's purpose. June is working with Archangel Raphael to learn self energy healing techniques and chakras 101. July is rewriting the stories you've been holding on to. August is all about rewiring your mind to move past blocks. September is energetically working through ancestral trauma. October is working with your inner child and Archangel Michael. November is a guide to being an empath. Then we're rounding out the year with a course in December that helps you connect with your loved ones on the other side to help you deepen your personal connection with them. And in January 2022, we'll be back with a whole new course on manifestation and co-creation. You get all of this live group access to me two new pre-recorded Reiki healings, and advance notice to book a session with me when you're an angel member. Sign up for the angel membership anytime. If you're listening in 2022, please know that we're planning to add new content each month. For details and to sign up, view the show notes below. Friends, the only thing that's not included in the angel membership right now is the Angel Reiki School where you learn to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Whereas the angel membership is about your awakening journey and your personal spiritual growth, the angel Reiki school, on the other hand, certifies you as an angel Reiki master teacher and teaches you the art of energy healing and bringing through messages for your clients. Friends, if you're feeling called to the angel Reiki school, it's because the souls you're here to help on earth, well, they're omnipresent piece of them. You know, they're higher selves on the other side. That's what's behind you, pushing you, fueling you to become who you're meant to be. Because when you do, they know your work will shift the trajectory of their life here. That's what I mean when I say you have big, big purpose in this lifetime. A new class of the Angel Reiki School starts on the first of each month. Speaking of the Angel Reiki School, we're going to need about 800 volunteers this year. We select volunteers from people who've written a 5-star positive review and emailed us a copy. That way, we have a way of contacting you for your free volunteer session. Many of you have asked if I'm still booking sessions, and the answer to that is yes. I love, love, love my sessions with you. We have a new system where we send out an email once a month with a link to my calendar for you to book online. It's really easy. All you have to do is sign up to be on my email list on my website, theangelmedium.com. I've been spending a ton of time going live with you on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and I'm having a blast with it. Join me over on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new content, teaching videos, and actual video footage of these podcast episodes. Friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for being part of this community and listening to this show. I truly feel that this is your show and the angels show. And I just feel so blessed to be a part of it. You're the most supportive community a podcaster could have. I pray for you every day. If you have a special prayer request, you can submit it through my website homepage and I'll be praying for you personally. Now for the oneness meditation, which is the last five minutes of every episode. And as you do this meditation, you'll raise your vibration and the vibration of the planet. Friends, what I want you to do is to just get into a relaxed position. If you are driving, operating machinery, need to concentrate, then this meditation is not for you. But anyone who is able to focus their attention on it, please join me. Friends, I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I want you to imagine that your socks, your shoes are off and that your bare feet are able to connect with the soil of the earth. And down through the bottom, the soles of your feet are these large roots that go down far and wide into the earth. Those roots go down far and wide, anchoring you into the earth as if you were a tree yourself. And up through those roots comes this beautiful, yummy, tingly energy. Begins to tingle at the tip of your toes. I want you to allow this yummy, tingly energy to just dance up over your feet, around your ankles. Feel this yummy, tingly energy as it moves up over your calves, your shins, all the way up to your knees. Feel this energy at your knees and allow it to move up the thighs, the hamstrings all the way up to the sides of the hips. I want you to allow this energy to move from the hips up to the base of your spine, the base of your stomach. And I want you to feel this energy as it climbs up the spine and the stomach all the way up until it reaches your heart. Heart, Notice how your entire body comes into a gentle state of ease. Allow this energy to move up into the shoulders, into the neck. Feel it as it fills your entire head, front to back, side to side, top to bottom. And then feel this energy as it moves through the hair follicles on the top head so that you feel this yummy tingliness 2 inches to 10 feet or higher above the top of your head. Friends, you might feel like there's a string above your head lifting you up towards the sky. You might feel an airy floatiness. You might feel an expansive spaciousness. I want you to do from here is imagine that there is this large opening at the crown of your head. It's the size of a cereal bowl, right? And I want you to imagine that it extends upwards towards heaven and that God sends this loving, peace-filled energy. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's bliss. It's ease. It's grace. And God just sends this energy through the crown of your head. It moves through your head, down through your neck, down through your shoulders. And it starts to pull, this God energy starts to pull around your heart, within your heart, I just want you to feel that for a moment and I want you to just tap in and notice. I want you to notice that your heart, your physical heart is one with your body and I want you to notice that your heart and your body are one with the air surrounding you. I want you to notice that your heart, your body, the air surrounding you are one with all life here on earth, all plants, all people, all animals, all life on earth. And now notice how your heart, body, air surrounding you, all life here on Friends, did you notice how your body got more expansive, your energy got more expansive and you could feel out into your auric field, you could feel out into the energy of the world, into the energy of everything, everywhere. Friends, that is oneness and you can carry here. I don't want you to open up your eyes. I want you to continue this meditation and to see that surrounding you are angels. You have guardian angels around you. You have cherub angels holding the space open for you to get into oneness at any time. You have archangels working with you in every area of your life. You have loved ones on the other side. See them. See them in detail, friends, because you seeing them in detail is the exact same thing as you going to them on the other side, knocking on their door, asking them to spend time with you. They love you so incredibly much. They want to spend time with you. They want to develop that relationship with you. When they're there, you're here. I know it's different, but you can still have that beautiful, incredible relationship. All of these beings, your angels, your guides, your loved ones on the other side, they form your spirit team who's always working to guide you, direct you, protect you. Friends, what I want you to do is just take some time with them right here, right now. What they want you to know is that they are working with you all the time. What they want you to know is that they are sending you signs and symbols to show you that they're next to you. Friends, they ask you to see that they are bringing in gift after gift after gift through your heart chakra to bless your life with miracles. Friends, it's your job to remain open, to believe, and to trust that they are working miracles in your life. Friends, I love you. They love you so incredibly much. Stay open and know, believe, trust, have faith. Know like you know like you know that they are working with you always. See you here next time. Have a blessed day.